Hey everyone, welcome back to your exit squad. Hey Mike, how are you doing tonight? I am excellent. I'm actually incredibly excited about our guest tonight. I, I'm I think it's gonna be a lot of fun and the story is going to be something that our small business owner listeners are going to get a huge amount from. So I'm I'm ready to go. Did we meet this person because they went over to your exitsquadguest.com and filled in the brief questionnaire? <laughs> that is certainly what, how, part of how they got to us. Our our, our guest has a really interesting uh, uh, a journey. They've they've got a couple contact points with us. So great. Um, you know, and I wanted to throw that up there just to remind everyone we have a lot of small business owners in the audience, and the way that we get guests is through reaching out through our own networks, but also from people who've just watched the show that that see that they have a story or they're dealing with a question in their business, and they think that you know you and I or some of the other squad members that we have are going to be able to help them out. And so, if you're watching or listening. And uh, you think that you might be a good candidate to come and join us, whether anonymously or or live and, you know, with your name on the screen, uh, just head over to yourexitsquadguests.com. And, and if you are an expert that works with businesses and you think that you can help some of the people that appear on our show, head over to yourexitsquadpartners.com. And that's where we collect uh, brief information on people who work with business owners and and in particular your areas of specialization and what kinds of problems you help people solve so that we can match you up with our guests that may need a little bit of extra help. And and if this is your first time watching the show, head over to yourexitsquad.com and where you can sign up and, and subscribe to us on YouTube. And you can find us on all the major podcast players uh, wherever you tune into an audio podcast. And so now that I've gone through all the prerequisite, uh, you know, announcements and, and advertisements, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who our guest is tonight? Yeah, absolutely. So our guest tonight is a gentleman named Matt Baker. And as you know, most of the guests that we have are, are small business owners who are actively in that place of looking to change their business to put themselves on a path to sellability. Um, Matt's a little different. Matt has walked that journey, has been to that pivot point and moved beyond. And, and Matt actually recently sold his business. So we, we get to get the whole story encapsulated in one today, which I'm really excited about. The other thing is Matt is actually a member of our Your Exit Squad Partners group and is going to be working with other guests on our program to help them walk a similar path to the one he did. So I'm really excited to have Matt join us and to, to hear his story. This is awesome. Uh, so Matt, we're, come on in. Let's, uh, let's get uh, to say hello. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm great. Phenomenal. How are you guys? Excellent. Doing really well. Excellent. Matt, really good to see you. I'm I'm really excited to to let our uh, listeners hear your story. Um, why don't you Why don't you take us back? Hit the rewind button and and put yourself in the place that most of our guests are when we talk to them. That's at that place where they're like, "I'm not sure this is going the way we we thought it was." I, tell us a little bit of of the startup story of the business and and how you got to that place of pivot. Yeah. Um... Startup story is, I think, like a lot of guys in the trades, I think I got to the point where I, I made a calculation that maybe I didn't need a boss anymore and I could do the thing on my own. And um, <laughs> I was I was mainly right. <laughs> you know, um, there was a lot of uh, humbling that came along with those first few years for sure. Um but yeah, I think that was kind of like the initial like switch that got thrown, you know, like Matt, did you start started. the business? Did you buy the business to yeah. kind of tell us that story? Yeah, yeah. Started it from uh car number one. It was an auto shop or is still an auto shop, auto service uh, shop. And so it was me in a toolbox and I didn't even have a lift yet. And my wife had done a phenomenal job in our hometown of like making sure that like as a family, we had a good reputation, um, you know, kids in youth sports, things like that. Pretty typical type. I mean, I, I think of Americana background as far as connectivity in our small town. And then when we when we really recognized that there was a an auto service vacancy or a hole here in town, 
uh, I thought, man, I think this is the time to, to fill it. And that was like 2013. Um, and so we filled it and we started Eagle Automotive Zionsville. And uh, I went to work and it was awesome and um, incredibly hard. And, you know, every other adjective that we could throw in there that has both sides of the coin of being positive and negative. Sure. Before that, you had worked primarily as a, if you will, a wrench turning mechanic. Uh, the majority of the time before that, yes. And then um, probably eight years prior to that as kind of a shop manager and uh, had a small percentage of ownership in the shop that I was a part of before, which gave, okay. me, gave me a little, you know, I, I think a decent amount of visibility on kind of what I was getting into as far as daily operations, certain KPIs, things like that, that mattered. Um, I, I think if I didn't, if I had not had that, um, man, it would probably have been over pretty quick. I mean, that, that eight years in that, that, um, previous environment was really, really positive. You know, uh, when it came to an end, it got a little rougher, you know, as things tend to do when human mm -hmm. beings end things. Um, but man, it was, uh, so valuable, you know, to, to make sure that I had some kind of a, a, I guess, a strategic base when it came to just understanding, you know, a simple thing like, hey, if a brake job costs X, what does that mean as far as cost of goods sold and, and labor, loaded labor costs? And then what does the business keep and what does profit actually mean? All those, all the things that we're, we're figuring out as, you know, untrained entrepreneurs, I think. Sure, sure. Yeah. How how long were you the only employee before you hired someone to come and help you? Man, I got stories. I I got I hired a guy before we even opened. We were slammed before we unlocked the front doors. I brought a guy in um, who will probably I don't want to disparage anyone, but like will probably never watch this. I would imagine, <laughs> but like he lasted I think less than thirty days, maybe like twenty five days. Um, you know, looking back, like that was a bad fit, but like that was kind of the start of the, you know, uh, leadership journey. Right, let me get my thing up here. Where I, looking back now, I realize I didn't hand. You know, I was probably terrible to work for, um, which kind of lends a hand to the whole journey. Really, I mean, um, and then I was, I think I was on my own for like maybe, oh man, four months, I think. And that was, that was the crucible, man. That was like running an auto shop by yourself as we were kind of ramping up and getting busy. Um, that changed, that changed my life like hundred percent because that there was no support staff. Every time the phone rang, I was on it and every bolt and wrench that was turned, I was on it. And, uh, and I know there's stories out there about guys with auto shops that do that for years. I don't know how they do it. Um, because it's, it's very, very challenging. You know, you're trying to build a reputation and a brand and everything's on you. And like, you're, you know, uh, gosh, you're just a, a fraction of a second away from probably creating catastrophic mistakes, you know, in your baby business. Um, that's, that's pretty tough. It's pretty hard. Well, what, what, what happens for a lot of those guys is they take the phone off the hook so they can focus on the job and then they mm -hmm. suffer the consequences of not answering the phone and all those issues that prevent them from ever really growing and, and reaching the potential. Right on. Yeah, I know that that's, uh, I think that's exactly right. I brought on after that um, period, the gentleman who still runs the shop to this day and became our general manager um, showed up and I think he was, he might've been 20 years old at the time. I think that's right. Maybe 1920. And uh, he, he passed the uh, fog, the mirror test. And, um, and so, and I tell him this, this is not, I'm not like hacking on my boy. I mean, he's awesome, but uh, he, he came in and uh, we, we really kind of grew together and he gave me the kind of time and space over the years to um, work on that business eventually and kind of wake up to, I guess, where I am today. So, so it was a, it was a straight hockey stick journey from that point to, to the end of the end of the story. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, 
really, I guess, I think some of the, one of the things that was so like incredibly crucial and difficult was when um, my wife and I decided, well, there's, again, there's, we could go on and on. There's so many stories, but um, the landlord at the time basically was threatening to kick us out because we were so busy. We had so many um, cars on the property that we were like encroaching on the other buildings and properties that were in this kind of strip, not a really a strip mall, but a multi-use building. Um, and uh, there was just, it was obnoxious. I mean, there, I mean, at the time I remember we had like 45 or 50 cars. We had three bays, you know, I'm trying to wrench. We had another guy that was wrenching Scott's running the shop. It, it was just mayhem. Um, and so we decided to, you know, look for another place to go, uh, a more, um, you know, a property that would fit us better. And that was extremely hard in our little town. And we finally did do that. And in doing so, um, went from, I think, four employees on a Friday, moved everything over the weekend uh, into the new facility. I had been prepping the new facility for like six months or something like that. Um, had it capitally equipped, but then moved everything that we needed to open up on Monday and started that Monday, I think with 16 employees. So we went from four to 16 wow. in one weekend. And uh, that's, that's when I almost died. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was probably one of the more foolish things that I ever tried to bite off that. I remember um, particularly that two weeks, I marked it down. I made kind of like a, I set up a pile of rocks as like a, a thing to come back and like always remember this time because the two weeks after we moved in were that was the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, and it was my own doing. It didn't need to be that hard. I just was uh, ill prepared and did not know how to lead a group of that size. Didn't know how to lead period really. Um, and it was, it was absolute chaos. Now, from four go. employees to 16 employees yeah. um, in the lead up to that move. Yeah. Were, were you confident that you were going to have the clientele and the work to keep all those people busy? Yeah, because we were, we were so blown up at the, the original space. Um, you know, we're turning work away. Uh, and I'm trying, you know, at the time I'm really just trying to do like the best seat of the pants calculation I can do where it was like, okay, um, gosh, if we just, if we can just do one more car a day, then the new overhead should be, you know, at our average ticket, you know, our, our average visit for our average customer, gosh, that'll, that'll cover our new monthly overhead if nothing else changes. And you start to play those kind of like numbers games, you know, where it's like, okay, if we do this, if we don't do this, but I, I was so gung ho on growth for growth's sake that I was, I think I was just terrified of going backwards. Like I set this goal to always, to be kind of month over month, year over year, you know, double digit growth. And some of those years were, you know, 57% growth over the previous year. And it's just like, your head's just spinning, you know? Um, so David, I guess to answer the question, it's tough to even remember. It was so chaotic. It's tough to remember <laughs> what I was thinking, but I, under the threat of the sheriff coming and shutting us down from the previous landowner or, or a, a landlord rather, um, you know, if we didn't clear the space or wh whatever, it, it was just, it was kind of like chaotic and toxic in its own special mix. I don't, I, that's the best I can really verbalize, I guess it was, it was nuts. It was crazy. So what was the what what was the tail end of that chaos period? Did you maintain the 16 employees? Did you what happened there? Yeah, so that was October of 18 um uh, when when we made that move. Um man, I just did a really really bad job of um setting the leadership example. I could I could show, share stories, but they're they're embarrassing. Maybe for another another time, you know, on a more specific leadership based, you know, podcast. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, so it was eight, uh, October of 18, which gave us, you know, close out the year at 18, um, try to get our feet under us. All of 19 to figure out, to try to make like strategic personnel moves. And and at that point, I'm like, gosh, I don't I can on the ranch anymore and do this. And, you know, you, you think like, oh my, you know, it's kind of insane to look back and think that. I'm, there's going to be 15, 16 people on staff and I'm going to be back doing a break job. I mean, it's, and I know that happened. I mean, I, I've got guys in the field right now um, or in the, uh, in the same line of work that own shops and that's how they run their shops. And they've been doing it for that way for a long time. Hey, I'll be back changing oil. And it's like, well, how's the advertising look for this month? I don't know. I gotta get this oil change done. You know, it's like, okay. It's kind of back to David's point, you know, like, in a way, they're shutting off the proverbial phone, whatever that is, um, so that they can focus on what's right in front of them. Um, so I, I think in 19 was my first real effort at trying to be kind of an eyes up and out guy and and to kind of stop looking into the problem. or try, I think that was the first time I stopped looking for the solution to the problem inside the problem um, and start poking around online um, you know, bumped into you guys not long after online and lots of other resources and um, had all of 19 to make just some really glorious mistakes. And then, as you guys know, not long after that, we had a little thing called COVID-19 happen. Um, and that, believe it or not, helped me unwind some of those mistakes. Interesting. How so? How did that work? Um, I had hired, uh, I had hired poorly. Uh, so we had some initial, a, a couple of like small initial turnover issues in that late 18 at the new shop into early 19. And I, I just thought, to, you know, I was like, well, I'll, I'll do the Matt Baker thing and I'll fix this. I'll go harder. You know, I'll start recruiting guys from dealerships and pulling guys out and throwing money at the problem and uh quite honestly did uh i man we we were jamming cash cash was flowing and it was all flowing out the front door it seemed like i mean just I right was, through your fingers yeah just i mean like a sieve man it was it was crazy um because i hired the wrong people overpaid them um didn't know how to set boundaries and expectations didn't didn't know how to do professional relationships, didn't know how to lead. And I was not humble about any of it. Like I was uh, very authoritarian and very like uh, ego driven, you know, even if no one else knew what was going on, I did. And so like ego wise, I had to stroke my own ego when no one else was like, when there's zero visibility on it, you know, it's just super weird, man. I mean, it, and that goes back to that kind of growth thing. It's like, hey, I can tell people we've grown um, 10%, but our, you know, our gross profit's like crap, you know. <clears throat> and I think we can hide behind that a lot. You know, we can hide behind the top line as small business owners. And um, that's not a great place to hide. Can't hide there very long, actually. So, so you kind of felt like whether you knew what you were doing or not, you thought it was important that you and everyone else around you thought that you knew what you were doing. That's a very succinct way of putting it, David. Um, and I think that's uh, probably like 105% accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I'm, I'm actually kind of close to an auto repair business. My, my father-in-law owns one and he's mm. had it for several decades now. And he tells some similar stories, like how his business only really got going well when he swore to never pick up a tool again. Yeah. And, you know, and he stopped going into the shop and he stayed up front dealing with customers or he went upstairs to deal with the business stuff or, yeah. or came down and spent some time with a person looking for a, you know, particularly aggressive and expensive new tire set or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and when he started to focus on those things, things really started to take off. And one of the things that, uh, you know, two big takeaways that I've taken away from him that I talk about quite often is he realized quite quickly that he was in the labor rental business. 
Yep. So he just, he just resells other people's labor. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that he he often had trouble in the front end of his business where he'd have um, the customer relationship people at the front counter would have a hard time when the when the estimates got really high. So oh, yeah. and, and he would have to coach his people to say, look, people come here because they want to give us money yeah. to make the, to make their car problems go away. Right. And right. and for a lot of the employees, they would like project their own concerns about a high maintenance or repair bill onto other people, you know, where, you know, when you go to the car repair place, you know, it's going to cost you money. Yeah. Like, they're going to do yeah. something. Right. No, that's a good word, man. I appreciate that. I, I had those exact conversations with my team as they grew. And, you know, I would bring in like a young service advisor, service manager, that that basically that CSR kind of guy, right? Uh, sales, and it's a sales position for sure. And, you know, as we would go through and, you know, his starting salary was uh, fair. And I tried to make sure that it was higher than, than um, anywhere else, just as a retention and kind of a, you know, a, a talent retention and uh, um, just a, a tool um, to make sure that we had good guys on the team. But, you know, it wasn't the same as what the demographic in our town was earning per capita, right? Maybe it was half of that. And so he's like, oh my gosh, I've got to ask this person, you know, to spend $3,500 on their Honda Odyssey. And they would become emotionally attached to that dollar amount. And, um, yeah. and, and there's just like, I, I couldn't do that. Certainly, how in the world could I possibly ask this person to do that? Um, and so, yeah, same thing, David. We had to work through that uh, pretty diligently. Uh, and it's just kind of a perspective piece. So it sounds like you're father-in-law's probably pretty squared away. So, so Matt, you, you're going through this journey. Think back. When do you first remember the word exit entering your brain? I mean, yeah. what, when did that become part of this narrative? Yeah. So um, generally speaking, before I even started the business, like I knew that I, I joke around. I, had, I was actually had lunch earlier this week with um, a guy that has an awesome business here in Indianapolis and we're working together on some cool stuff. And I said, oh, man, you know, he's a little bit younger than me. And I said, you know, when I was even younger than you, I had the great mis misfortune of becoming friends with a guy here in town that sold his business at age 42 and was able to become get basically get into like angel investing, VC stuff, um, you know, strategic advisor, investor roles. And I was probably in my late twenties when I developed that relationship with that guy. And I'm way older than that now. Um, and uh, I, I just looked at him and I go that that's so impressive. And that sounds so cool that I got to do that someday. Um, and so that was kind of always in the back of my mind, you know, even at that, the other shop that I was a part of before I started Eagle Automotive, that was a desire that I had there. I actually brought that guy in with the primary owner and my partner and was like, Hey, let's do cool stuff. Let's go buy other shops and let's expand our footprint. And I just wanted to get after it, you know? Um, and so that, I wanted to see what I always wanted to know what it was like on the other side of an exit. But man, when you're in the thing and bullets are flying and you don't know what you're doing and you can't tell up from down and it's 2019 getting ready to become, you know, March of 2020, uh, that, that becomes a, a very distant thought. <laughs> you sure, know? sure. Yeah. 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 What, when March of 2020 hit, did, did you experience a sudden slowdown? Were you forced to close for any period of time or anything like that? Yeah. So we went, um, we were considered a, uh, uh, what they call them? Uh, essential, essential service. Essential, yeah, essential business. So thankfully in Indiana, uh, Governor Holcomb, you know, at least we weren't in the non-essential, which is a crazy concept, but um, yeah, we went to like half of, so again, you know, 15 people on staff. And then I, I just, I remember clearly like essentially, I think it was like the third week of March. It just felt like the lights just got flipped off. Just, just like 
So, so were you told to throttle your capacity because you needed to space out your staff or was oh. it just that the phone stopped ringing as much? Yeah. This, the latter, the phone, okay. like it just, it just cooled off. You know, we had a lot of, in our, again, our demographic, the community that we served or serve, um, I think a lot of people had flexible jobs to begin with as far as where they report in and how they do their work. Yeah. And so the pivot to staying home in our little bedroom community was like immediate. It seemed like, if that makes any sense at all, like, mm -hmm. it, yeah, we're not, a. um, it's not a very blue collar, you know, I guess to put a finer point on it, my guys, had to show up and turn the wrench to get paid. That that can't be done from a home office, right? Right. And same with the plumbers and the electricians and everybody else in the trades. And so, um, yeah, thank, thankfully for the safety of our community, they were able to make that pivot. Um, but yeah, definitely took a bite out of our business immediately. All right, so you're going through that and exit is is in your head. Was there a point in running the business? I, I, I'm, I, I think a lot of times when we talk to owners or, or those that are listening, there something occurs where where they they pivot. They, yeah. they realize that what they've been doing isn't going to take them where they want to go. Was there a distinct point for you or was it more gradual? Yeah, I think is it possible to have both? Cause I think there's a distinct point that then leads to kind of a gradual thing or a gradual sure. trajectory. That makes sense. So the distinct point was, was when I decided that I, again, post COVID that uh, as I was bringing, you know, we had furloughed some guys, we're bringing guys back, we're bringing staff back. Uh, some didn't come back. Um, anyway, we, I looked at that and I was like, okay, as we're rebuilding, um, the last thing I can do is go out and take a, a break job, a tune up, uh, a timing belt from one of my team members that's paid commission to do that job. Um, that just, that, so it's like, okay, so if I'm doing that, then that means I'm working on the business, which was definitely a goal. Um, which then means like, how do I, how do I lead you know, I, I've always led from, I've always led with the wrench in my hand. So how do I set that down and, and make an impact as a leader uh, from the front office? Like, you know, how do you do that? And it came about through, so I, I guess that would, Mike, to answer your question, I think that was like maybe the moment, right? Where it's like, hey, here's, here's the thought, okay? reality is that I probably just need to not, not go back into the shop. Um, who knows what's going to happen is COVID, you know, the same thing you guys have talked to, you know, dozens and dozens of owners is COVID two happening. When's the second wave coming? When are the shutdowns coming again? I mean, we, we just didn't know, like right. there's, there was no clairvoyance in any of this. So we, I pivoted really hard and just kind of went, like full throttle into like, well, wh what is a leader? How do I do this? And um, just kind of got after that in the same way that I've gotten after anything else that I thought was going to be beneficial to you know my family, the business, my team, whatever. And really what happened is that we figured out, I figured out, and then we figured out as a team that um, <laughs> I don't know I know one fifteenth of anything that the entire team knows. Um, and so I think once I started to kind of subordinate my ego and figure out that I didn't have to have every answer and that, well, what's it look like if my team comes up with answers and they implement standard operating procedure and we, we use the term decentralizing command when, you know, everything was centralized around me for so long and I was the business. Um, once I, broke from that, which was uh, very, very challenging um, and very emotional, you know, because we get tied to these things. Um, that's when I had this group of dynamic people who were collectively way smarter than I'll ever be that really ran this thing and grew it um, 
through my exit. And so what it, what happened kind of naturally, the the um, that trajectory then led to the fact that like for, so as of this recording, I exited my business like two months ago. Um, so 18 months prior to that, I think I was spending maybe 45 minutes a week on the business actually on site and running like a service meeting. And the rest of the time, the team was just rocking. So like once I gave them my trust and they, and I stayed consistent with it because there were fits and starts, you know, as you hand the baby over and you've been the one, you know, feeding it and diapering it and, and pattering the butt for so long. And you're like, okay, here, here you guys go. Here's the baby. And then they just did such a better job than, you know, so let me ask you, so so when you talk about growing a business and not being the center of it and not letting it be ego driven and, and opening yourself up to other people's input, you know, you, you talked about increasing the amount of business. So that's growing revenue again. And you talked about that before and how it didn't really necessarily pan out. Yeah. The other side of things is is operating better. So you're making more money with the revenue coming through. Yeah. Can you give us an example of some of the crowdsource changes or solutions that happened in the business that made the operations better? Yeah, I, honestly, I think you know, when the team started like really trusting that I meant it as far as like, no, 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 you guys, you know, when I came in and at, at some point, I don't remember exactly when, but let's again, use that 18 month timeline. And I said, guys, this is, sorry, Dave, this will, I'll get, I'll get your answer. It's going to be a long Matt Baker answer. Bear with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when I, when I came in at some point, I had another kind of definitive moment where I said, guys, we're, we're not going to have managers anymore in this business. And everyone's like, you know, what does that even mean? And I said, I'm just not interested anymore in having paying somebody to pay, to tell somebody else how to do their job. Like we're just not going to do that. So we're going to have, we're, we can all lead one another. We can lead up and down and side to side and then quote chain of command, whatever that is. And uh, you know, secretly I'm thinking, well, the word leadership is really to serve and support. If I come in and start talking about like, Hey, we're all going to serve and support one another. It's not going to be as sexy. People aren't going to buy in. The word leadership has a, a pretty strong connotation, and I got buy-in from that. So, David, that was the difference. When when everyone when we went long enough, and people started to believe me, and they saw that like I meant it, that I wasn't going to come back in and just you know steal the show, so to speak, or or say, yeah, that's a great idea, guys, but mine's better, or whatever, right? that just overall consistency for about, you know, or about that time, time frame, about a year and a half um, where the team was like, Oh, he means this. Like we can bring, it, it got to the point where, again, this is kind of not one definitive moment, David, but like that journey, that trajectory, that general path where I started coming in and like, there would be, somewhat significant issues or problems or technical issues that would arise or sometimes even interpersonal. And I wouldn't know about them and not because I was so detached that I didn't care. It's just, I would hear about it. Uh, I would get like downloaded on or debriefed much later after the problem was solved. You know, the team would be like, Hey, so by the way, did you hear about the thing and this thing and the A, B and C? And then no, Oh, don't, don't worry about it. I mean, we, we went ahead and like went this direction with it. Um, we went ahead and printed up some new SOP for this, some standard operating procedure. We know your policy on that, Matt, is to break that as soon as possible. So we're going to try to just work through that, find the, you know, work out the kinks, break the bad stuff, rebuild the, the good stuff. And when that's, when that started happening inside the business, um, first of all, it's magical and it's super awesome to see, you know, human beings just doing that. The other thing that happened was like, uh, there was a big red, alarm going off in my mind where it was like, oh man, I, uh, I'm not sure I can go, I can take this much further than where it is right now. I think basically I've come to the end of myself with this business. Um, so I started going out and helping some other small business owners get through their state of stuck. Um, and that's very fulfilling, but I just had this thing with my team at Eagle to where I felt like, man, these guys could run 
you know, divisions inside of massive companies. These guys can just do so much more. And I think at the end of the day, I'm the problem now. Like I kind of always, I think as the, as the owner entrepreneur, you are, you're like the juice and the problem at the same time. There's like this dichotomy thing happening. Um, and uh, part of that, that humbling that takes place and it's still taking place is just to realize that like, Oh, I'm kind of holding these guys back now. You know, this guy needs to be able to be a shop foreman of, you know, seven shops and I'm not willing to leverage what we have here to go get the next shop to give him that opportunity. So what's it look like for me to get out of the way now? So, so when you told us that you exited two months ago, does that mean you sold the business two months ago? Correct. And, but before that, if you were only spending 45 minutes a week there, in a lot of people's minds that you pulled off uh, an it's exit great. beforehand. Correct. You know, you, you left the building, so to speak. Yes. And so can you take us through why you decided that you wanted to sell? Because for a lot of people to have a business like that, that kind of runs on its own, that takes yeah. so little of your time. Yeah. I mean, that would be definitely be an asset financially to somebody for sure. It's pretty awesome. Um, and I don't, hopefully everything that I've shared and I guess my perspective today doesn't minimize that at all because, you know, being, being on third base on the baseball diamond and being detached and having a leadership team that runs and grows the business at nearly a Google five-star rating, you know, like that's, yeah, that's pretty sweet. But like, I knew in order for me to do other th- the other things that I wanted to do and to allow them to grow beyond me that I was going to have to get off a third and get back to home um, and slide into home. And I, uh, I just kind of intuitively knew that, I guess, or maybe that was just, you know, here's another thing. Dave, sorry, David, I'm bouncing around a little bit, but um, the, uh, when, when that was happening, I started, a lot of people started reaching out to me saying, Hey, what's the secret? Hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so then I, I end up in meetings and I end up with, um, you know, getting connected to other business people who need strategic investors and advisors. And I start looking around at like, well, what is it? What does it like look like to really be able to help those people? Um, and to, uh, I, I, I learned this uh, previously from Mike Finger. You know, listen, all, all all of our capital as small business owners is locked up inside our business. And so what what's it look like to free that up and to go deploy that elsewhere to do the next thing all the while? And if you can do that while elevating your team and giving them even more opportunity, um, that's also pretty freaking sweet. And so that was kind of the mindset I was going through that. Is that... It actually bothered me to sit there and to just create this like weird golden throne. Like I'm going to sit here and like do 45 minutes and it's great. And like, I just was not fulfilling. It was not. uh, It it, it sounds like you were open to listening. I call it listening to the marketplace and you, Mm -hmm. you've been called by a different kind of market to Mm -hmm. go and, and provide a different sort of service. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Thanks. But yeah, that those things just kept popping up. And and again, I was like, well, you know, I don't want to. I had, um, you know, beyond well beyond a million dollars of payroll a year. I always use this example that I was responsible for. And I, I could not absorb the amount of risk it was going to take to lever that against whatever the next thing was for me. Um, and un. And, and have my team kind of unknowingly be put at risk as well. And that's just my perspective. I know that's like, it's not very open-minded. I have a lot of, I have one buddy in particular who just bought his third shop and uh, here in the greater Indianapolis area. And I'm like, man, you know, how do you stomach the risk? And he goes, yeah, I'm just super comfortable. Like, you know, levering what I have against what I want. And I'm just like, I just, I couldn't do that. Um, that was like a full stop for me, you know, as far as like, Hey guys, I uh, can't make payroll this week. We're, we're out of our, um, all of our lines of credit are used up because I went out and did this thing and, but Hey, hang in there. 
another six months and I'm probably going to pop at this other location. You know, I just, and I, I don't know, maybe that's defeatist. I, I don't, I just, that's, that's my story, you know, on that piece. Matt, let, let me pitch you a softball related to that. So yeah. we, we talk with, with owners that come on about the goal being that, that journey of getting to sellability. How important, how impactful, how much profit came from you being in this negotiation to sell, mm. but being very comfortable continuing to own the business? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't want to give an actual number, right. um, but I can give a percentage. Um, well, I'll tell this story, I guess. Um, and I, I think the percentage would be somewhere between 50 and 25% of a greater, let me make sure I'm saying this the right way. Um, a 50 to 25 or 20, sorry, 25 to 50% increase in that exit number or payout because the business was so good. Right. Meaning like, I didn't have to sell it. Right. And, and I was, I was engaged. I was approached by uh, a mm -hmm. group and they said, Hey, this is really cool. Can we have it? And uh, you know, the, the story starts off with like, sure. What type of multiples of SDE or EBITDA or whatever, you know, what are you guys paying? And they said, Hey, we're, we're in this range. Um, you know, your shop doing what it's doing probably at the upper end of the range. And so I'm kind of like, well, okay, let's have a conversation. And then when I got an offer from them, um, it was a very good offer. And I brought that back to um, a team of, of advisors. And every single one of those people said the exact same thing. Hey, that's a really good offer. What are you going to do? And uh, I said, well, I'm going to think about it for, you know, another 48 hours. And then I took that back to the, um, the acquisition officer at this group. And he said, what do you think? I said, hey, it's a great offer. Or I said, it's a good offer. Um, but you are acquiring a great business. And so I'd like to ask for a great offer. Um, and I didn't, I did not put that to a number or a percentage. Um, I just put that back out there into the conversation and I hate negotiation. I'm just not, that's not what I do. Um, but because I think to your point, I think what you're asking, Mike, is like, hey, you know, actually when that, to put a finer point on it, Mike, in that exact conversation, the acquisition officer said, hey, you know, the good thing here is that, um, you know, you don't have to sell this and, and we don't have to buy it. And I go, yeah. And I was just quiet. And then the reality, for, as you guys may know, for PEGs is that once they acquire a target, they actually kind of do need to buy it. You know, so like there is a somewhat of a fiduciary thing that they have to try to move that thing through. And so I was just I felt really great about the whole thing. Um, yeah. And then I think it was maybe 48 to 72 hours later, they came back with a great offer, um, you know, versus the good offer. And it was it was 25 percent more than the good offer and probably 50 percent. I'm trying to remember now. I don't even remember now. Maybe 50 or 55 percent more than what I'd ever planned on receiving as an offer. Is that what, what you're describing is, is compulsion or the lack of your compulsion. Um, I've, I've, I've often said that small businesses never trade for any kind of fair market value. They either trade for more or less, depending on whether the buyer or the seller has more compulsion. You know, if, if the buyer has to do a deal because they need an income or, or right. some other pressures behind them, then right. they're going to pay more. And if, the sellers got some unfortunate personal circumstance that's causing them to need to get out of the business, then it's going to be selling for less. That's right. And so but you set yourself up in a great position so that you would be the one who got to decide um, just how great it needed to be to get you to, to move. Yeah. Um, so, I, so I, they, they owned other, they owned, I see what you're saying. They owned other similar shops. Is the, yes. Is it, it, it was, Yep. This, this one was a, uh, making sure that I don't speak out of turn here. I think, yeah. So it was a, a, a private equity group that came into town that was doing a roll up of 
you know, what they consider to be the uh, some of the better like mom and pop uh, aftermarket um, auto shops, service shops in the Midwest. So they're based in Michigan, uh, came into play in Illinois, Indiana, Ohio. And we were one of the, um, I think we were the third. Yeah. Third one to get scooped up in Indiana, um, which was just, a, a, again, a fascinating process. Matt, it, I mean, it's such a great story. Um, so I'm having a conversation with a small business owner earlier today, and I'm, I'm trying to characterize for them the, the amount of transition that needs to take place in this journey that they're, that they're starting on, right? The, yeah. the journey you just went. Yeah. And I asked them the question and then I realized I didn't have a good answer for it. For So you give me a good answer to this question. <laughs> How much does an owner need to change from the place where you were, you know, the day after um, you went from four to 16 employees yeah. to the place where you were when you signed the document? How 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 much different were you as as an owner during the, the, the journey you went on? I. I think um, that I'm unrecognizable today versus that time then, if that makes any sense. Yep. Just as far as like mindset and um, and just what I put into action and what I was trying to. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that through, Mike. Sorry. I, I come back to this thing. I had a guy kind of blow me away um, who ended up also, I, I met this owner of a, uh, a small manufacturing facility um, it, locally here in Indianapolis. Um, man, I'm trying to remember. It may have been pre-COVID. It doesn't matter. But I, I'm thinking about all those like waypoints along the way of where like you guys had both asked like, Hey, what, what were there? Was there a turning point? Was there a moment in time? And I think, um, one of the biggest mindset changes for me came when I had this like total stud operator, super impressive guy, um, you know, telling me his war stories and like really pouring into me. And at the end of our time together, he looks at me and goes, Hey man, your job is to prepare your business for the next owner. And like, I just, I'll never forget that. And it, it's, it's true, right? Like it, it can be true. Um, some guys may hear that and go, no, it's not. It's right. not my job. I bought my into business. It. It's my business. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it, absolutely. It's me. It, How about correct. that? Correct. Yeah. It's not just my business. It's me. Correct. And so that, that really like um, helped shift my focus away from myself because I was in that mindset where it's me and I've got to, yeah, it's just me, you know, kind of that we become silos, we become islands as business owners and leaders and entrepreneurs and whatever word we want to throw in there. But um, it's super easy to become isolated. Um, but man, when you're thinking about that next owner and it's like, well, it's just like selling a car or a house. It's like, am I, am I going to paint the thing, put a roof on it, make sure the basement doesn't leak? What am I doing? Or do they just get it? Are they going to buy the nightmare? You know, and like which one's worth more, right? So you start to play with that, and um, so that was that was huge. I'm, and I forgive me, I, I may not have. I think that's my answer, Mike. Yeah, you're you're speaking to that the the yeah. per, that percent of transformation, and for you, it 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 sounds like it was fairly complete. It, it you were a you were a fundamentally different owner than you were uh, at the beginning of the journey than at the end. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And now, now you are working with other business owners and, mm -hmm. you know, I, and I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember quite where this quote comes from, but it, it might be an old Jim Rohn quote where he talked about how you don't develop businesses, you develop the people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it, it sounds like that's uh, a philosophy that you've adopted. And so when you're working with, with other business owners is what is sort of your number one thing? Do you dive into an analysis of the business or is it the person where do you start? Yeah, so I'm I uh, I had to figure that out. That's a great question, um, and it's not the numbers, um, although I because I think there's just so many people out there that can do a better job with that as far as 
um, I, I guess what I'm teaching right now is that, you know, when I engage an owner, I try to explain to them that their job is to um, basically create some type of synergy between the business and the company, the business being the numbers, the company being the people and bring those into alignment. Right. And that's, that's what I tried to do as best I could when I had Eagle Automotive. Um, what I focus on mainly is kind of the intersection of like leadership and culture and how to really focus on the people because we can do lots of cool ninja moves with numbers um, and create results and some, some, and there can be some effects there, but man, I've just seen the power of what happens when we take that energy and really put it into the people. Now that's easy to say, as long as there is positive cash flow, right? Like you go into a situation where it's upside down and backwards and they're 30 days out from, from closing the doors. That's that I have not found myself in that situation, helping that person yet. Um, I'm usually helping the, the guy or gal that um, has a cool thing and is trying to figure out like, why do I feel stuck even though I have a cool thing hmm. and try to diagnose that. And it's always people. It's just always, it's always the team. It's always them. You know, it's like, it's us as leaders in our team. Fabulous. Fab. Any, uh, it, you look back on your own story, Matt, what, um, what stands out the most for you? What is the thing that you look back on and say, this is, um, this was magical. Oh man. Um, I don't, I, I mean, I, you, you talk about hiring a 20 year old who stayed with you through the, I, I mean, there were things that happened to you that any owner dreams of happening. Um, yeah. um, I think the most magical thing has, has been to see, um, you know, the, the team come in, you, guys just we just talked a minute ago about my transformation like hey do you recognize yourself today versus you know whatever four years ago and it's like no and the same can be said for the vast majority of my teammates hmm. and that's the coolest part for me like looking back and and seeing um seeing the way that certain folks came into the business what they brought positive and negative and then really having the chance to like raise them up, elevate them and seeing that that was sticky enough to remain with them. Even now the transition um, over the last two months has been tricky and uh, was not done. This is like the most negative thing I think I'm going to say, but it, it was not done to the level of excellence that I was expecting. And yet my team particularly a, a couple of primary leads in the, in the team structure have just absolutely blown me away. Like with how phenomenal they've been, how tough they've been, how smart they've been, um, how they continue to yet subordinate their own egos in this situation and work indirectly to get their, the rest of the team answers. And, and you see this like perpetuating where they're lifting one another up. Um, so real quick on that, on that point, I think this is what it is. Um, the, the higher ups of this uh, private equity group came in to talk with Scott, the general manager, and they're like, listen, um, you guys are super high performing, um, and you're really crushing it and you do it with less people than any of the other shops that we own. And they, I think they have 70 or 75 shops now they're going for 200. You have not implemented our standard operating procedure, um, our best practices, and we just want an explanation of how you're able to do it at this level when you're not doing it our way. And so Scott says, oh, cool, come here. And so he takes them around and he introduces them to the team members. He introduces these two guys and he's like, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so, this is so-and-so. And he goes around the entire business and he looks at him and goes, Hey man, we just run on this ethos of client, team, and self. We work third. Hmm. And they're just like, oh, okay. You know? And to me, that's like the coolest thing I've ever heard. Like, that's awesome. Now, 
you know, when, when, when I talk with a lot of business owners that are struggling with trying to get better organized and get better systems and everything in place, um, people who get into business naturally, I think, have a certain investment mindset. They know that they've invested in equipment and machinery and all that other stuff in order to make money and they understand investing. And I try to stretch that investment mindset to the the focus of time. And I'll, I'll say, like, if you, you know, they never have time to do work on their business. They're always busy in their business. And I'll say, if you can find the time to create some systems or to create some better methodologies, better standard operating procedures, that investment in time will then yield you more free time every week going forward. You know, you invest a couple hours now, you're going to get free up 10 minutes every week, and then you just keep compounding that time. And and so you've gone through that process. You got all the way down to 45 minutes a week of your own time in the business. Yeah. What they're, they're right now listening to us. There is a business owner who's working just the way you did back when you got started. What do you think? is likely one of the lowest hanging pieces of fruit or, or one of the, the easiest things that they should target first to try to build that virtuous cycle of investing time to get more time back? Um, I, I think the low hanging, that's a tough question, man. Holy smokes. That's why I saved it for last. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a barn burner. Um, I think as I think through this, and this one's going to bug me for a while, David, so thanks. Um, it's still going to come back to people. And I think it's just going to have to be um, that that delegating de decentralization that has to happen. And I, so I think the foundation to that is, again, I keep using this term, like, check your ego at the door, right? Subordinate the ego. It just like once you, when, man, I, I can't stress this enough. Once you flip the switch um, and you begin to get comfortable with the idea, not necessarily in practice, but at least the idea that you mat you go last and that you kind of matter the least and that your team matters the most and your client base matters the most. Um, it's so tough sometimes to invert that and get there because a lot of us can give lip service about that and say that we do that, but that do it like to actually do it, to put it in practice. Um, I think that's the key. So I would say, you know, checking the ego at the door, subordinating the ego first, and then just getting rid of this idea of central, everything centralized around you and making sure, and you know, the common term would be, you know, delegate, right. But it's really beyond delegation. It's letting it's, it's, um, you know, it's giving ownership to the team. The only way to like, mm -hmm. I think to truly motivate another human being is to give them ownership of something. And I don't mean like points in the business. It's just like, hey, you know, Mike, come here. What do you think about this? I mean, this seems to be a continual problem. Um, you know, yeah, I actually have some ideas about that. Um, you know, my first idea would be this. Cool. Can you just do that? And like, let's just, just go. Like, you know, starting there, I guess. Um, I don't want to go too long on that, but no, it's a great, it's a great answer, Matt. And for me, you answered the question earlier mm. in, in the simplicity of saying you put the wrench down, right? Oh, it, it, yeah. it, it's, it's that transitional point of, if I don't do this anymore, now, what do I do? Mm. And that, that, to, I mean, there's so many of them. Your answer is great. And I, I just, I fixate on the, the simplicity of just setting the wrench down. N now what, what's my job? Well, yeah, no, it's better said. It's more succinct than mine for sure. So thank you, Mike. No, I, I, I David, I told you his story was going to be fabulous, didn't I? It is a great story. It is a great story. Now, now, Matt, this is yeah. the part where you tell us about what you're doing right now. So why don't you tell us about who you work with, who you're trying to find, and yeah. and how people can connect more with you online if they want to seek you out. Yep, yep. So I've got um, uh, five five small businesses that I'm helping right now that are kind of all in various stages from a solopreneur. Um, I had two solopreneurs who uh, just could not get past the idea. Like they were so like frozen by the idea and stuck by the idea of hiring somebody. They knew they needed to do it. Like it's easy to get there, right? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
gotta, I gotta bring somebody else on. But like, you know, pulling the trigger on that was so hard for them. And then watching them do that, build a team, super exciting, um, up to like a custom closet business with, uh, that was newly acquired by a new owner. I went through the entire acquisition purchase journey with him and I've been on his team, um, you know, build, building that, again, that creating that intersection between leadership and culture with, I think, 30, or 30 35 team members. That one's a doozy. <laughs> it's quite honestly, that's a ton of fun. We're having a blast with that one. So highly engaged there. And then um, similar kind of a, a scenario with a, uh, like a chimney sweep company, actually. Um, same, same, actually that's, that one is probably the closest to my journey at Eagle Automotive. Um, because, you know, that the owner of that business is basically on second base. He owns his job. You know, if it's like you, you hit the ball, you run to first, you're in business, right? You get around to second base. It's like, cool. I own a job. Uh, third base is kind of like, Hey, I'm detached. I've got a leadership, leadership team running and growing it. And then sliding back in is, you know, the, the, uh, the exit. That's kind of my analogy. Um, stole that from, uh, from Burlingham, Bo Burlingham. Um, gave it some more color, but whatever. So, uh, <laughs> I haven't had an original thought or idea ever. So I gotta, you know, steal everything. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. And then, uh, looking for in, inside of all of that for kind of phase two in, in my entrepreneurship journey is also looking for a strategic, um, a strategic investment opportunity with one of those businesses or with something outside of that. Mm. Um, I'm getting looped into some like VC conversations and uh, asked to join a couple of those groups. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be a dumb money guy, you know, where you just like hand somebody 50 bucks and say, cool, make that 50 become 500. And I don't ever want to hear from you until it becomes 500. That sounds terrible to me. Um, so I want to be the smart money guy who comes in and like, can, you know, um, lean in and help grow and push and challenge and uh, without getting in the way. Haven't figured out exactly what that looks like yet. So still trying to um, piece all that together. Best way for people to find you, Matt? LinkedIn? What, LinkedIn's good. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. Message me on LinkedIn if uh, if that um, is something that uh, that you want to do. And, and I'm, I'm usually on there pretty regularly, at least once a day, every couple of days. Um, and I'll hit you back. And of course you're a member of your exit squad. So right. folks have the opportunity to, uh, um, connect with the, you there if, yeah. if, if it's the right fit. So that's right. Yeah, that's right. And, and we'll probably be seeing you back on here again. Thank you, gentlemen. It was uh, it was a great, great evening with you too. Appreciate you. All right. Yeah, just a thank pleasure. you. Matt. All right. See ya. That was awesome. I told that was, you that was a fantastic story about a great journey. I, I, I really liked the the description of the metamorphosis from someone who was trying to be the business owner, the person who ran the business, and doing break jobs, absolutely you know, all at the same time. I, I I love Matt's approach to the uh, to the steps he took. Um, he obviously is a guy that sees it, but also feels it. And I, I think that resonates so much with so many owners who are, um, again, we, we talked about it earlier, who are their business, right? There's such a deep emotional connection that we have to these things that we do. And Matt is clearly a guy that feels that, but also then can see not just how you move beyond that and, 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 and through that, but to a place that is better for absolutely everyone involved, the employees, the clients, the owner. That's the journey that we talk about on your exit squad. That's the journey of becoming more than the business uh, and, and becoming uh, coming to that place where the business can operate with you, without you. Uh, just love, love Matt's story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's a great story to get out there because as you know, so many people get into that position you know, that Matt was in earlier and they get stuck in that place sometimes for decades. Right. Before right. they realize, you know, sometimes they get to the point where they want to sell. If they don't go through that change, 
Well, they end up, you know, selling the assets of their business, like, like literally a liquidation of the stuff. That's right. Uh, you know, because they have not built, you know, I define a business as a system. It's where people, capital and equipment work together to produce cash flow. And, and if you're going to stand in the middle and be the human system, as soon as you remove that person, then everything just falls apart. That's right. And, and for far too many owners, they don't even understand that's where they're trapped. And again, that's that's what triggered you and I to talk about this in the first place. Yeah. How, do, how do we send that message to those folks? Matt helped us do it wonderfully tonight. And if you think we're talking about you, where do you go? You head over to yourexitsquadguests.com, fill in a, a quick questionnaire. Um, we'll reach back out to you and, uh, and invite you on the show. And, and if we can, we'll help you by pairing you up with one of the, the, the squad members that we have, the people who've come to yourexitsquadpartners.com and filled in that form. Um, we'll match you up with a partner that we feel can help and then have you come back and see how your own journey is going. Awesome. Awesome. Matt could be that guy for you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mike. It's great to see you again. And I'm looking forward to our next chat. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye.